0: You know, as you guys know, and I don't know if the people listening know, uh, I'm getting married soon. Congratulations! Thank Congratulations! Thank you. I know I found a woman who tolerates me, which is good.
1: That's always an accomplishment.
0: Yeah, she's a she's a strong woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she is. She's very strong, incredibly strong. So we we actually we actually went to get our um, marriage or apply for our marriage license um, just a few days ago. And we had to go really far, meaning like down the block. <laughs> we live really close to the to where you do that, and you know we're filling out the the, the form and everything. And in the form uh, in Jersey where I live, you actually have to put your parents' names down, which is just sort of weird. You know, it's like you're getting married. Uh, if you have a social security number, then you're obviously a citizen. You're allowed to get married, um, or whatever. So like, they're like, what? Well, you know, what are your parents' names? And um, we sort of just remarked to the clerk that it was weird to ask that. And she was like, well, they did make you. And I just quipped, well, they actually didn't <laughs> because I'm adopted. And it just became one of those things throughout the whole process that she kept on making these jokes. Or she jokes? kept on really? making these assumptions. Yeah, it was just sort of, she just didn't know, I think, how to handle it. That, like, my parents. So, you know, I put down my adopted parents' names. Or my parents' names, because they're my parents. And, and then she was like, Oh, so are they on your birth certificate? And I'm like, you know, I, I sort of looked at, <laughs> at my, my fiance and I, and we looked at our friend that was there who's, uh, who was our witness and we we're just like, what, what does that matter? And I was like, I, I don't know, I guess, <laughs> but it was just sort of awkward the whole time as they were like going through this stuff. So it's like, it just reminds me of. Even these things that are, are normal and, and and people take for granted, you know, as an adoptee, it just sort of is different, and it, it just sort of they remind you that you're different at every turn. Yeah,
1: yeah. And in case the listeners don't know, Mark and his fiancee, they're going super modern. They're not even having uh like a, like a wedding festivity. That's right. Which actually comes with the bonus of the fact that she doesn't have to march down to here comes the bride, which is actually from the Wagner opera Lohengrin. So you're not, every time a bride walks down, they're celebrating anti-Semitism,
2: so you get to avoid that. That's a that's a Wagner-like uh, yeah. little tune there? Oh, I didn't know that. Wow, that's pretty uh, fascist. Holy shit. Okay, good. Yeah. The, the
1: prelude to that opera is beautiful, though. But he was, obviously, a rabid anti-Semite, and <laughs> Mark, you get to avoid that, you and your fiancé. So it's a good start to your wedding. <laughs> We're happy about that. Or marriage.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, so that was just a little story. <laughs> Escape. From Plan A. Okay, so here at UCLA,
1: it's finals week. So we know that I'm not the most politically correct person, so don't take this offensively. I don't mean it towards any of my friends. I mean it towards random people that I don't even know in the library. So you guys are not the problem. The problem is these hordes of Asian people that UCLA accepts into our school every single year, which is fine, but.
2: If you're going to come to UCLA, then use American manners.
1: Hi, and welcome to this pleasant summer evening. Another episode of Escape from Plan A, Plan A Magazine's podcast. I am Oxford Condo, your host, and tonight I am joined by Teen. Hey, how's it going? And Mark. How you guys doing? All right, tonight we are going to talk about... uh, we're, we're not going to have a centralized topic like we usually do. We're going to talk about a bunch of things that, that have happened. And one thing that happened this week was there were a bunch of elections in California, uh, state elections and local elections, and had quite a, a bit of Asian candidates running in them. None of them won, <laughs> unfortunately, but they were
2: there, which is a start, right, guys? It is a start. I I, I think someone did win. Um, <clears throat> I think there was like. Oh really? I've been so yeah. Out I think of the, touch I forgot her week. name. She's a she's a Korean woman in like Orange County or something. I think she did win. I think she's running for Congress. Oh, was she seat. in that article just shared with us just a few hours ago? She might have been. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, a lot of the elections these were primaries.
2: Oh, these were all primary. Yeah. She'll but she she'll be on the ballot. I think. Yeah.
1: And some of the names: uh, John Chang, uh, Jane Kim, Dave Min. Uh, that person you talked about, um, do you know her name?
0: Well, I'm looking at the page of results. So Betty Yee is going to be the Democratic um, nominee for controller.
1: That's such an ominous title, don't you think? I, am I the know, right, controller.
0: Fiona Ma is going to be a candidate for treasurer.
1: And of course, we can't forget Andrew Yang, who is, you know, running for president. I'm enjoying his tweets, actually. From his point of view, it's like a free publicity tour. He knows he's not going to win. He has no pressure to win. It's, and right. I think he has a book coming out. So he's probably going to sell more than he would have had he not run for president. And if I were him, I'd just totally enjoy myself, say whatever the hell I wanted. He's, he's really rich, right? So he doesn't have to worry about making a
2: living in politics. Uh, so yeah, he's, he's playing with house money right now. Yeah. He's, he's all about, you know, the automation apocalypse, which, I'm not, I'm not totally sold on, but I think it's interesting. You know, like At least he's like pushing the conversation in an interesting way that no one else is really hitting it as hard. He's like Mr. UBI. He's pushing UBI really hard. I'm not totally sold on that either, but at least it's, it's something worth talking about.
1: You yeah, know? I do like the, the fact that UBI, I don't know too much about it, but it is a very interesting idea. It is something we do have to consider, like some version of it probably. And, and the fact is there's an Asian face attached to it now in everybody's mind and I do like that fact uh, anyway the reason I brought up these politicians is not really to talk about the, the ins and outs of these little races and everything but I, th- I think the broader idea of seeing more Asian politicians because it's something we hear a lot of people always say well we need more Asian actors we need more Asian like CEOs and we, we need more Asian politicians that's usually part of kind of the trifecta that always uh, gets raised But one thing I've always wondered is: okay, we get these politicians. Let's say they do win. Well, then what? What happens next? Do they? Is there an actual cohesive platform, or are we just wanting to see Asian
2: faces? I think there's a. It's. It depends, like how big their ambitions are. Like I I think about someone like Kamala Harris, and she's Kamala Harris. I think is like half Asian, like Indian, and half black. Her her
1: mother's Indian. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I think her father's like Jamaican. And, you know, I think she's, she's, is kind of seen as like the sort of female Obama in a way. And I started hearing about, I think she has really big ambitions. Like she's got presidential ambitions. Yes, completely, completely. Because of that, you know, there's been a lot of like uh, scrutiny of her, of her, of her background, of her record. And there, it's really troubling. Like she was state attorney general. And there was this there was this article that came out in the New York Times recently by Nicholas Kristof about I think a guy's named Kevin Cooper. He said it's the single most egregious case of racism, uh basically railroading um a, 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 a black a black defendant, a black suspect, yeah, like all the way to the electric chair, right? And he's He's got no avenues of appeal left, and all these law professors, like, like Innocence Project, I was like, we can, we can prove to you that the evidence collected pointed to other suspects. Like, even the eyewitnesses were saying it was like, it was like a three white suspects, right? And they railroaded this black guy, and it turns out that Kamala Harris at the time just didn't have any interest. In yeah, any and she this.
0: still has no interest in commenting on it, talking about it. You know, potentially going to the, you know, the current Attorney General. And of the state, and 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 somehow correcting it, she has zero interest in it. I have I have problems with her as well because she's much more of a corporatist Democrat, and and I'm done with people like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, but, what about like a guy like Ed Lee, right? Like for the now deceased mayor of San Francisco. I mean, what did what did he really do for Asians? I mean, all I heard was that he was really corrupt.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, a lot of the state and lo- the local politicians are corrupt as hell. I will say that one thing I do like about
1: Asian politicians is often they have to be very responsive to their constituents who t- I think generally tend to be Asian. It's going to be very hard for you to get elected uh, as an Asian person uh, in a white like constituency. Uh, so recently, uh, I think just yesterday, Grace Meng blasted de Blasio about the SAT, which we will talk about later. And she just came out and blasted him. And she has freedom to do that because her base is... Imagine Grace Meng were an actress. Uh, which, again, we'll also talk about <laughs> later on, showbiz agents, there's no way she would do that. But because she's no, that's a politician, true, yeah. she, and she, reps she does have to answer uh, to to them. And, and when I say answer, I don't mean like she's forced to know. She genuinely identifies with them and came from them. And that's where her main concern lies. So I think that's one of the few ways that high-profile Asians still, they, they can both ha- exert some power and visibility while still not having to cut ties with their like Asianness.
0: Yeah, and I, I think for the broader question of is it a good or a bad, you know, I I don't think it's ever an unalloyed an good, and it's never you know always a bad, right? I think it depends on the person and what what they do with the position.
1: Okay, the real reason I wanted to talk about this was, uh, well, Jane Kim ran for mayor of San Francisco, right? Yeah, yes, it- she, yeah, she it. did. Yeah, she anyway, came in like fourth or fifth. Yeah, anyway, a couple of years ago, I believe, there was a rumor that she and Goodwin Liu, who is, what's exactly his position? He's in, like, the California Supreme Court justice
0: yeah, yeah. or something. Apparently, highest court in California.
1: Hi- highest court in California. And and Goodwin Liu was, I remember, like, several years ago when there were, you know, because all the Supreme Court justices are quite old, there were always being these names being thrown around. And, you know, Obama was president, and people were thinking, well, people like Kagan and Sotomayor were had been appointed. So they, they were thinking of other like diversity picks. So Goodwin Liu was a name thrown around. Uh, Sri Srinivasan was another name. Anyway, uh, Goodwin Liu and Jane Kim apparently had this uh, lo- uh, affair <laughs> that caused yeah. Goodwin Liu to leave his wife. And when I heard that news, I celebrated because I thought it was a great moment in Asian-American history in which you had <laughs> two high-profile Asian-Americans in a sex scandal together. And I thought that was such right, progress. Right, right. For our community, because this this is what it represents. This represents two Asian Americans who are like famous enough for this to be news, and it's like Asians have risen up enough that if they wanted to like fuck around, they could find another Asian American at their level. Which
2: I thought was, which
1: I thought. Not was only that, but great. he
2: was he's married to a white woman.
1: Yeah, and yeah. then and then he came back. He came back to the tribe. Welcome back, Goodwin. <laughs> <laughs> I came
2: back to the tribe. <laughs> I don't think Uh, they're laughing about it, but yeah, unfortunately, I think
1: they're separated or divorced. Obviously, that's not good. Hopefully, um, maybe it was all a a rumor or whatever, but if it were true, I thought it was a landmark moment in Asian American history. (laughs) Anyway, uh, moving on a bit, uh, before I mentioned that Grace Meng had attacked Bill de Blasio about this thing that had that now passed, I think about the SH. SAT. Uh, there's got to be a better way to say that. It, SAT or... I, I think what? it's the Selective High School Test. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's such a horrible... Well, acronym. A, a acronym or whatever. I, I can't... It, it doesn't even roll off the tongue like SAT or LSAT.
2: Well, they anyway. call... so, But they call like the schools that... You know, like these magnet schools. They call them SHS. I think like Selective High Schools. I see. Yeah. So that's... Just think of it that way. It's like okay. SHS test. Yeah.
1: Basically, if you guys... The listeners don't know what what happened is that some school board or city authority decided to are they totally scrapping this test
0: that's the um that's what de blasio would like to do
1: so this test is the thing that pretty much determines whether you go to these schools right there's stuyvesant uh brooklyn tech and bronx science they're they're actually five
0: or five or six but the, the most well-known ones are Stuyvesant and Science and Brooklyn Tech.
1: Those schools are overwhelmingly Asian when you consider, I think, the, the Asian population. And, and They're like proportionally.
0: 62% Asian. Yeah.
1: and even, I
2: think it's even higher now, actually. Like, Stuy is like almost 80% or something. Right. But if insane. you look at
0: all three of them together or all five of them or all six of them together— it's sixty-two. Each individual school might be higher, but yeah, Stuy being the most selective. So
1: this is like the Ivy League dilemma gone to the point of no return, where you know the Ivies are scared. All oh, Asians, like twenty, twenty-five percent, that's too much. This is like sixty, seventy percent. Uh, so uh, they and the reason why Asian kids do so well is, is because if this test is the one thing that determines whether you're in or out, well, if you do well on that test, they can't keep you out, right? That's why they're targeting this test. Because they want to more equitably distribute the the seats in those schools to reflect the I guess the the population of the city or something mm-hmm. like that. And yeah. there's I, I'm actually surprised at how many like mainstream Asian Americans, especially on Twitter, have been getting angry about this. Because I think even with, like affirmative action, it's never people usually don't come out against it. Um, you'll always see you know like some group of you know, like recently immigrate Chinese people and then someone like that Edward Bloom guy will corral them and get them up. But on Twitter, I was seeing some fairly, like Asian Americans would probably call themselves liberal and everything and, and identify with the very mainstream liberal programs mm-hmm. yeah. such as this. And, and they got pissed off. And I, th- I think for good reason, because this, I think this is just so, because you're talking about very young kids so if, if you 're going to get rid of this test, what are you going to do? grade them under extracurriculars at that age that in fact, I would make things worse. Like, could you imagine parents trying to take their like two year olds to, to play like three sports and and send them to like build houses in Guatemala and Teen, you got really angry at at something
2: that some city councilman said like you want you want to tell more about that it's the, no, it's he 's the chancellor of the of the Department of Education here this is a school chancellor named Richard Carranza. And he said something like these, you know, the, he was saying this to Asian kids. He was or, or the Asian community, let's say. He's like these seats don't belong to you. The this, direct this, quote this class
0: is I just don't buy into the narrative that any one ethnic group owns admission to these schools.
2: So, it's it's just it's just appalling because it's like what do you mean who who's claiming ownership here? Yeah, these aren't
1: country club memberships that are given out by a, a cabal of exclusive people. This is a test that everybody can take. everybody, if it's studyable, you can study for it. And oh, yeah, another thing is, a lot of these Asian students aren't wealthy at all, right? They're, no, absolutely no, not. Yeah. Okay,
2: Asians are the poorest. Like we have the highest rate of of poverty in of all ethnic groups, including black. You in mean the in in New York City? Yeah. In New York City. Yeah. Okay. And the kids that are going to these schools, like if you're wealthy and your parents have the wherewithal to live in new york like if you're wealthy you're going to private school just like yeah. white kids do
1: you're going you're going to the the, the gossip girl schools right yeah
2: yes. like night yeah. like, not, not like if you if you look at people that go to Sty, like most of them live in you know flushing in queens or they live in chinatown or something like that they're testing out of their local public school to get into these schools and it's a way to kind of put yourself into that like elite education pipeline i'm not saying like they all go to harvard but you know, you're, you're putting yourself into a really, really competitive environment. And for a lot of, I wouldn't want to go there, but a lot of Asian <laughs> families are like, this is the way out. You know, I don't want you to work in a restaurant like us, like we do. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, this, this is like their one way out. There's a book I read recently. It's a novel. It's called Girl in Translation by an Asian-American writer, Gene Kwok. And the story is all, uh, all about that. She immigrates from Hong Kong with her mom. They're just dirt poor living in this like, roach infested apartment in Brooklyn. And this is, I think, very autobiographical and yeah the 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 way she makes it out is through education and i think for a lot of asian americans what this feels like is cutting off the one thing because like a lot of asian families they can't give their kids a lot of things we don't have a lot of like real wealth we don't have like land built up in this country yeah a lot of yeah a lot of asian americans are educated but often there's like a steep tax you pay it's like oh yeah you're you're a doctor in hong kong now you're Something you have to like either get recertified all over again, um, right? Or something and,
0: like that. And add on to the fact that de Blasio's son just graduated from Brooklyn Tech and is going to Yale. So it's like, you know, you're pulling up the ladder and like just saying, t- telling these Asian families, like, you can't do what my family does. I mean, it, it's like the thing that pisses me off, like, it's I don't think actually
2: having a school that's like 75% Asian is necessarily the way you want to go. Okay. Like, I don't, what I'm saying is like, I don't think that the way it's set up now is like necessarily all that good for Asian kids to begin with. But the problem for me is the way in which the failures of the system have basically been blamed on Asians. It's our fault that we like push our kids to cram schools to prepare for this test. We're cheating. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like yeah.
1: when when he says like they don't belong to you, it, it's almost sounds like, they're being stolen. These yeah, places. like we're stealing yeah. this shit. I'm like, fuck
2: you. Under the Branza. rules that you set up. Fuck you, de Blasio. Under the tech like, you designed. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. Like, no one's taking shit. Like, these are being fairly competed for. Now, if the problem is they wanted to be really honest about it and just say, like, our school system is not preparing black and Latino students well enough and we got to fix that, that's fine. Or, we are, look, it's great that, you know, Asians are doing so well, but as a matter of public policy we want to make the schools more diverse even that's okay but to blame it on the asians is just fucking dishonest right and i'm um, just this stuff just pisses me off because it make it like asians are constantly being used as right and back. they didn't
0: and and the thing is right like they didn't need to go that route to try to sell this plan. you know if they go to some system that's similar to like the houston uh, or, uh, i think the houston area um uh, system where they just take like the top 10 percent from each Middle That's school. Texas, the whole state. Or Texas, right? the whole state. The whole Texas, state, right? Yeah, yeah. So they do yeah. a similar, a similar um, system like that, um, which is sort of, which is part of their proposal, right? They could have just said, like, our proposal is to take, I think it's like the top 20% of every, or top, I don't know, 10% or five, whatever percent of each middle school will, will be distributed amongst, you know, these, these schools.
1: Well, if they're saying that when it'd be better for them not to, then that probably indicates that this is what they're really feeling.
2: Oh, it's a, no, it's a, you can't, it's not acceptable to have a school with that many Asians in New York City. Like, you can have a school with a ton of black kids, you can have a school with a ton of Latinos, you can have a ton school with tons of whites. But if it's all Asian, unless like you're in Chinatown. Or whatever. And it's like a horrible It's just not acceptable. Like, it's not acceptable to have that many Asians in one place because people get upset. Like, these foreign kids are taking over our schools, is Mm -hmm. is the feeling. And there's just a natural... Repulsion. I think I think people are repulsed by Asians, especially when we gather all in one place. I I think this is going away. Uh, the system, uh, one way or another, is going to go away. And I think I'm not despondent about that. I, I I'm pissed about the way that we're just used as punching bags. But I think yeah. like my adv- if I were a kid or if I had a kid, and you know, in high- my advice would be like be smart about it. You don't want to go to the most competitive high school. You want to go to like a good high school, like but be the top of the class.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: you don't have to like blow your load on Harvard or Yale or whatever. You can go to a good college, but B, do really well. If you want to blow your load on a great school, wait till grad school.
1: I mean, I, I agree with that. I mean, if you, uh, I did, I was on the podcast, the Poison Ivy League podcast, in which I pretty much said along the same lines, this whole uh, idea that education will solve everything. And if you go get into a top college uh, everything will be, will be solved. Is is there are a lot of holes with that, and I think we see that because yeah. Asian Americans have yeah. been doing yeah. that pretty well for you know quite a number of years, and there's still so many problems with our community. But see, this is the thing that pisses me off. Like, it's one thing if we, f- for instance, um, gave up things that we've rightfully earned. If we are scoring that highly on the tests and everything, in in some kind of exchange. That would be one thing. But for it to just be taken away and be told that we never should have had it in the first place and that somehow we were cheating by doing too well, that's something else because if they recognize if they were like like yo Asians like you're doing really well and we're happy for you but let's spread the wealth exactly. around a bit. And in ex- and you know we're not going to forget it. Uh we know that you guys need help in other things and we won't forget it. So it's like a fair exchange. I think that would be totally fair because as I said, I don't think education is the supreme solution to everything and i think it does lead to a lot of problems at the most extreme end like suicide and stuff the other end is is kind of like hyper assimilation into all the ideals of of like was essentially a white education by the time you get to like college and and grad school but that's very true that's not what's happening here there's no recognition that under their rules that we have succeeded and now we are being the rules are just being changed in the middle of the game and there's no recognition of the fact that that is not fair.
0: Well Asians weren't even like part of the equation when, when these systems were set up. The system was set up back way back like before um, the mass Asian immigration into America Asian people we were crashed, just not we part of the, the equation so once we once the once the Chinese Exclusion Act was sort of lifted and we, we started having uh, Asian immigrants from other countries other than China like we just sort of messed up the we gummed up the works the system's going to react
2: like that's the thing the system will react to asian people uh basically like taking over the field it's going to react to that and it's upsetting it sucks the way they go about it reveals the amount of racism and you know and 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 you know animus pointed at asians it's true it's all there but the system will ultimately ultimately react you're not going to you're not they're not going to perpetuate a system where Asians are dominating like that and we got to get used to this fact like i i think we we can get outraged but we still have to respond mm-hmm. and people i you know i i just i think like asian people as a whole i think do have to as uh, oxford was saying get drop this sort of like very asian um it's a mentality that I think a lot of Asian immigrants bring because of the way education works in Asia, which is a very tiered meritocratic system. And you can, you know, if you don't go to like the top middle school, you're fucked, you know. Um, and there's just certain things that you can't achieve if you don't go to the top college. Right. Uh, and that's just not, it's just not really how things work. You always have a fighting chance so right. long as you go to a decent school. Uh Especially if you save your load for grad school. <laughs> That's why.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Some other group that really deserves to get attacked: those spineless Asian American so-called activists who are just taking this chance to oh, fuck. Uh, yeah. just dump on other Asians to impress their donors and shit like that. Fuck those people. They're just totally useless.
0: That issue um, relates to something uh, across the across the way on the West Coast, uh, happening with the um, homeless shelter issue that's going on where they're placing these shelters just, you know, it's, I think it's happening in every town in Irvine. Yeah, yeah. I think it's happening in every district, but yeah. the, the way that they're handling it or the, the people who are the state representatives for um, the district that K town is in are basically just dictating where it's going to go. And they're like, it's going to be in K town and we're going to put it in this parking lot area, which is like four minutes walking distance from like five different schools um, so like they just sort of dictated it and when the the Korean American community in K-Town is like wait a minute like we obviously like we want to help homeless people but we want to have some input into how it's done in our community the blue check army on Twitter and these fucking faux social justice Angry Asian American yeah and like yeah. you know they, they come on and say he like, said he was how can these how can these Koreans or how can these Asians hate homeless people and yeah, it's so, like yeah. that is not the fucking that guy.
2: That guy, Sarcasmos on uh, Twitter, he he he's pretty knowledgeable about this stuff, and he was saying like how in Orange County there were like three or four cities that had sued the city uh, for for being cut out of the process, uh, but the media only reported on Irvine, which is you know uh, heavily 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 Asian. Uh, the other cities were not, and they kind of escaped. They were like you know it's a. It's, it's a hot potato, and they're trying to find someone that's, like, sucker enough to, 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 to really just be cut out of the process and have everything dumped on them. Look, I, I know this is a homeless shelter, but, like, let's face the fact, like, it, it, it's not commendable that, you know, Irvinians don't want it. It's not like I'm going to praise them for that. But on the other hand, what community wants it, honestly? Like, are they ever going to put it in Beverly Hills? Are they ever going to put it in, you know, in Brentwood? But you you don't hear stuff about how they're anti homeless or whatever. But the thing is like, so you're looking for a community that you can you railroad, and you use the media to do it, and you find something like you know Irvine, and then just say, "God damn, Asians are some selfish motherfuckers." I mean, that's right. like anti semitism. Mm-hmm. That's how that shit works, and we're being set up for it. And the worst part of it is a guy like who calls himself Angry Asian Man, like he's all got all sorts of moral indignation going out on Facebook saying. I am so ashamed of Asian-American activism. I'm like, dude, read between the fucking lines. I mean, you're just, all he's doing is interpreting a media, a, a, a mainstream media that's already been biased against the situation. He's coming into the topic late after it's already been, everything's been, everyone's <laughs> been railroaded, everything's
0: been decided, and he's falling for it. Don't be such a dupe, you know? I mean, you're just you're just He's being, playing the part of the duped. dupe. Like, yeah. you're just, you're, 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 they see that you're an easy mark. And they use your Asian face um, to push their agenda. He ain't H- angry. Yeah.
2: He's not angry, man.
0: No, he's never. He was never angry. <laughs> False advertising.
1: On Twitter, there's a there's a blogger. He just uh, he runs a blog called Ask a Korean. He's he, I think he's like oh, a he's, forty yeah. Like he's a forty something a Korean American lawyer. He yeah. He lives in Virginia. He's been running this blog for quite a while, and, and you can tell it's kind of old because you can tell it's old because it, it still uses the the block spot. <laughs> um, oh, that, uh, that's thi- right thing uh, i've been reading him for a while and he's he's like you know he's liberal and there are times when he does sound like you know like uh how you'd expect kind of like a like a 45 year old professional asian liberal man to sound but recently he just went off on this on this uh asian person who was who was uh slamming all these all the asians who were getting angry at, at de, uh, de Blasio for trying to get rid of the S.H.S.A.T. and he just went on this like tweet
2: storm against this person and it, it was, it, yeah, he made a lot of sense. I retweeted it. I was like, that's, a, I, I totally get what he's saying. Exactly. And
0: Cassie Lee is another lawyer from that area that.
2: I think he said in that tweet, he said something like, like, oh, you know, in 2008 when the financial crisis hit that it was yeah, all the, the Asian, Asian lawyers. Who Asian guys that got, or all the Asian attorneys that got laid off and shit. Eddie, same, Eddie same Huang, saw, Eddie
1: Huang was one of them. He got
2: he got laid off after one year. I remember that from his book. Good for him. I mean, you got to call that shit out, man. People are just afraid to call it out. Like these, I don't know, these professional blue check bloggers, like 18 million rising and whatever. Like they, they, they're, they're, they're literally, it's just like a fucking, there's just like set positions that you have to buy into. It's like the, the, you know, open society position, and they're they're always on the same like them and other groups. are always on the same side of every issue, and it's all like really bland. None of it takes into account actual lived Asian experiences. And their number one thing they do two things right. One is they'll retweet or repost links to to like mainstream news sites where everything's already been laundered, like NBC News, Asian America, or whatever. And it's like it's like stuff that everyone would agree on, like some some you know old Chinese man was assaulted for being Chinese. I mean, that's terrible. And obviously everyone's going to agree, right? Like who the right. fuck is going to defend that? That's outrageous. But then the other thing, that's one of two things that they do. The other two is they just lecture Asian people. All, that's all they fucking do. They just lecture mm-hmm. Asian people about how we have our, our heads up our own asses. And until we listen to what Mark Seng Putterman or whatever the fuck has to say about something, we are in the dark. I'm like, shut the fuck up seriously
1: they're very languid people until it's time to attack asians
2: and they become badasses they start hulking up they become like 10 times bigger because they got this like bullshit like you know marginally prestigious like you know sort of like discount prestige education or whatever the fuck they went to some liberal arts school and there were like no asians there so they probably thought it was like Oh, I really made it just because there's no Asians. There. They were the chosen yeah. one.
1: <laughs> they have this. Yeah, exactly. They have this savior complex. They think that it's their mission to rescue the, the backwards heathen Asians. Uh, who are usually like the FOB Asians, older Asians, especially older FOB Asians, especially older FOB poor Asians. A lot of Asian guys fall into it. Asian women who don't really follow that mo- that mindset. Like, we all know the mindset they they put forth. Uh, like like Asians who are kind of like too into other Asians, uh, because you know that that's like un-American, right? If if you if you hang out with too many Asians, yeah, and and they think it's their job to to civilize us, and it's it's all fucked
2: up. No, no, Sang Sang Mark Sang Potterman wants to stare at his own fucking belly button and talk about <laughs> how you know in some class at whatever liberal arts school that he went to, he had an epiphany that. Asian Americans should not buy into Asian American exceptionalism or whatever. Like, don't trust your own experiences because race in America does not exist outside of the black-white paradigm. The only thing that matters in America is the interaction between whiteness and blackness. And Asians just fall within that spectrum, right? It's like race is spectrum. It's – this spectrum thinking is always the hallmark of like a simple mind. yeah, Linear thinking, Right. Asians like were just sort of like some somewhere between black and white in in his mind. I mean, he's literally tweeting this shit out, and I'm like, where do you get this stuff? And this like, is that's the person... what he wants to talk about his own stupid epiphanies, you know. And
1: this is the person appointed to be our leader, I suppose. Uh, in whatever. some he
2: appointed himself, or 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 some fucking like you know white philanthropy white philanthropist had has earmarked him as as uh, you know kind of the way like one of those like Catholic Church. Back in the 19th century, would wait on the docks for the unwashed Irish to wash ashore and and, and you know indoctrinate them into being a proper you know uh, bottom of the rung laborer.
1: All right, uh, how about moving on to something a bit lighter? Uh, so I just watched, <laughs> <laughs> I just watched the trailer for the Wong Fu. Uh, is it a, it's a TV series? Right? It, it's like a, it's, uh, a movie, it's, it's a it's YouTube
0: a red series. Yeah. It's no, called, it's I think it's
1: just admit-
2: free YouTube, man. They said it's just going to be free
0: oh it's free youtube
2: okay
1: yep uh it's called yappies it stands for young asian uh professionals like yuppies except yappies and i just watched it and it's okay this is what i got from the trailer uh so it, like this trailer is all about the the, uh, the main character played by phil phil wang right I, like phil you and mm-hmm. phil wang too many phils Godgan phil wang, yeah, two phil different wang. Yeah. he's like this very uh upstanding office worker he lives like a decent life and everything then one day he gets called out for being too safe and he decides to now live life on the edge and according to trailer what that consists of is befriending
2: black people not just befriending black (laughs) people finding a black girlfriend and dating a black girl that's
0: (laughs) (laughs) some shit right here (laughs) i mean it, it was just sort of it was and they haven't gotten better at like producing these these shit videos. And like, like, I don't want to hate
1: on Wang Fu too much because I do remember like 2005. Their the yellow fever, uh, video came out. It was really funny. It's still funny. I mean, it's relative to that time. It was so radical. Like even now, if it came out now, it would be pretty. I think like That's how true. open they were about it. So I will always appreciate them for what they did and and they did it pave a, oh,
2: I think, way for a lot of, like, the first wave Asian YouTubers really, for a lot- man? I think, I thought they gaslit the shit out of that. I well, thought the what? whole purpose of those videos was basically them maybe, like, recognizing that this was becoming a thing that people were talking about online or whatever, and they were just gaslighting the shit out of it.
1: Well, no, like, uh, 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 the first one though, I thought it, it talked about this issue when it was very, like, taboo to talk about it. And yeah, it kind of, like, pulled its punch at the end, and it came out with, like, this little whimsical ending. But I, the fact that I think they even talked about it uh, was was quite groundbreaking. Now, if you want to talk about Yellow Fever 2, now, that was just pure shit. Yellow Fever 2. And, and Phil Wang even oh, says this. Yes, Yellow Fever it,
2: 2 is what I'm talking about. It was, that was, it, it horrible. was horrible.
1: It was horrible. And he even admits it on, on the Natalie Tran documentary. He made it because I think he was getting too much heat from, like, Asian women because they, they thought that he hated, uh, you know, WMAF too much. So he made this. It was basically a big male culpa saying... Uh, yeah, I, look, I'm, I'm not a bad guy. See, I, I'll celebrate. I'll continue celebrate to watch this. my videos,
0: guys. <laughs> look, continue man. To, look, continue to t- purchase my merchandise.
2: <laughs> guys like Phil Wayne, you know, he went on this whole Twitter thing about how it was interesting. It was an interesting tweet because that it got made real me
1: that made me like him more. That he just kind of snapped for like a uh, for like two minutes. He snapped. <laughs> and yeah, I he snapped, that. <laughs> and yeah,
2: he snapped, and basically was saying like the the Asian directors and stuff that have already made it. I'm guessing guys like Justin Lin, etc that they're not extending him a, a hand you know and i got to say man for for a guy like phil Wayne, he seems like a real upstanding nice guy and he's got that he's got that dimply smile that he's always flashing you know he's mm-hmm. he's just got that sort of nice 90s boy kind of feel he's the I dream like,
1: son-in-law for every asian mother
2: yeah exactly and i think that he just needs a little bit he needs to be a little bit more real like if he's out there he's one of the first and most vocal people about you know interracial dating right he obviously has thoughts that you know positions that are going to be controversial like he said he was getting heat and he knew how to avoid it so he knows how to bring it too he needs to like if you want to make it i think if you really want to make a splash as an asian filmmaker i think you got to you got to make a splash you have to not be afraid of getting the heat and no one's really doing that see that i don't think anyone's really quite brought the heat yet you know i thought justin chan in that he he kind of brought a little heat there in terms of you know the interaction in be- yeah yeah but it's still i mean i didn't think it was that fiery but along that line that direction you know what i'm saying
0: oh i totally agree yeah totally agree I,
1: maybe at that. some point i mean depending on how well yappy does i mean that, that trailer as i said doesn't look promising but maybe at a certain point he'll realize okay the the mainstream hollywood asian the the showbiz asians in hollywood aren't aren't gonna accept me my my youtube career has, has reached its max so it's, it's like fuck it i'm just gonna i'm just gonna let loose and and just go go for broke nothing to lose maybe that maybe then we'll see
2: some kind of like unleashed phil wang but i don't know man i don't know hopefully I, I just don't think he has the constitution he's just too i think he's just too used to being adored or something you know what i mean like he just, there's a lot, there's okay, there's like a class of Californian Asians, I think. I think they really huddled around SoCal. And they're just really, really pro-rep. Like, they're just like, you know, because I think like the, the, the social hierarchy out in SoCal is very much based around fame and visibility. And so to them, the currency is visibility. And to see Asians becoming more visible is just an unalloyed good. It's a sign of social ascendance. It doesn't really matter the content. It's just that your face is out there. And I think he's gotten really used to um just exposure and existence and visibility alone being a kind of currency. You know, I, I don't I don't think that he's comfortable with with being you know, a controversial guy. And we we need controversial guys. Like I think right now my favorite in like in terms of who I get the most out of right now, I would say is Dave Chang. And he's controversial. He'll say controversial things and, and you just need more of that. Like, I just, people, like... But even you said, like, in, in objectively speaking, he's no worse than
1: just your average kind of grumpy white guy. But when an Asian guy does it, even other Asians are like, well, this guy, why is this guy such a jerk? Like, no, he's just a normal guy who just may say things that... Um, are a little bit unfiltered, but they don't expect that from someone who yeah. looks like but let's, David Chang. But
2: let's be real, but let's be real though. He has Dave Cho on his show. Yeah. yeah. Dave Cho. I mean, like, Dave, Dave is... Cho is, is
1: David Cho is seriously out there. Like that is somebody who's yeah. like objectively speaking, yeah. like quite out there. <laughs> Way he, Yeah, he's the not the just out, out
0: there for an Asian dude, he's out there for everybody.
1: <laughs> he yeah. wore a robe of himself wearing that robe or that red suit that he loves. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A robe when, of him wearing the suit. That's right when yeah. you know you have too much money. He's like, oh, I'm bored. I got too much money. I got to spend it.
0: <laughs> he, he made one good gamble like 10 years ago. and <laughs> which, which, by the way, yeah.
2: I want to ask you guys uh, because
0: it's so funny because like when... I think it,
2: his podcast, DVD ASA, Dave Cho's podcast, was, you know, how old is it now? I mean, like five years or something. It it's Since not around it was anymore. Last right. aired? No, no, yeah, no, I mean, it's long gone. Um, yeah, it, it, he 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 iced it because of some yeah, he sickly admitted to rape. I mean, he had said some story on the last podcast about how he went to like uh, you know, some massage parlor and more or less like forced the woman to give him oral sex, basically amounted to rape. Um no one ever came forth to press charges or to claim that that happened. And then he went around I mean, there was a lot of furor over it and then he went around um, you know, it's like Joe Rogan, etc., saying like yeah, it was all just a joke and and it didn't really happen. But you know, who the fuck knows? Um,
0: uh, super sketchy. I think for David Chang, right, like he has a backstop in his life, right? Like he's famous and successful as he's got like a, a chef. He's got like five hundred million dollars right? or more. He's probably worth yeah, a billion. Yeah, I mean, bucks. He, he's yeah, like David Chang is like you know and, and Cho are both you know very very wealthy. He was worth two hundred
2: fifty so, like, million dollars at the time of the Facebook uh, IPO. And oh, yeah. the Cho? stocks only shot through the roof since then. So I'm sure he's worth like yeah, a billion I mean, he's, dollars.
0: He's like a billionaire now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and Chang is you know he's he's um quite yeah you know, he's not a billionaire, but he's quite well off, right? Yeah. So like even though um a white dude can basically just act the same way, and an Asian dude can't, and the Asian community is sort of like oh my god, why you know don't do that? You're embarrassing us. Um, I, for me, I think that's what that's because you know, a white guy has, like, a white social backing, right? Like, he's sort of... He'll get support from other white people. No, but that, but that's my point, for, is
2: actually, when Asians do it, they'll get white support too. Like, Dave Chang, I mean, it's not, like, only Asian people watching his show. DVD ASA was popular with, like, uh, more than just Asian people. Um, I think that, you know, if if you want to talk assimilation, right? Like, in a way, like, the less you assimilate, the more you assimilate. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, the 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 more unhinged you get, and the more like just like if you just if you just talk if you if you're just not if you don't shy away from realities and you start talking about stuff in a very frank manner, I think that's actually the way to quote assimilation because then you become actually interesting because the other form of assimilation that we're talking about you just become like a really really boring white person
1: yeah'cause it's a it's an art it's an artificial standard. Set up to make you fit in most usefully to whoever is running the system, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You don't, you don't, I I saw the yappy trailer. That's all I saw. You don't become a real person. You have no ability to form your own opinions or you're always apologizing. You're always, you're always like looking around your shoulder.
2: Yeah. It's, it's no way to live. And you can't, you can't, you can't, uh, here's the one thing that, okay, if you're here's my, what I've been thinking lately. The ultimate white privilege is to rebel against whiteness or to be self-critical of whiteness, right? If you want to criticize white people, the most credible critic is a white person. I mean, think about that. That's definitely true, right? Like, if a white person comes out like Michael Moore does and start talking about how white people this or that, it's credible because other white people are like, well, it's a white guy saying it, you know? <laughs> I mean, he's white. He's white as shit, right? That's the one thing that if you're an Asian and no matter how hard you try— to be, like, you know, an honorary white that you will never achieve is the standing to be self-critical of your own whiteness. Your own whiteness is never yours. Like, you never own it. So you can't ever even really, you know, you can't even really criticize it. And even for, like, a lot of the HAPA guys, I know, like, they they say the same thing. You know, like, because you're not full white, like, you can't really talk about whiteness. I don't know. I think that's just a fundamental limit.
1: Yeah, and and that's why you get so many Asians who... Think the next best thing you can do is to criticize their own Asianness, and yes. it just mm-hmm. reeks of this mm-hmm. wanna-be noblesse oblige, in which you see the white people being critical of themselves, like, oh, that's what the that's what the elite people do. I'm gonna do it, but it doesn't work that way when you, because mm-hmm. when like, white people criticize themselves, it's like it's not. A genuine criticism because at the end of the day they are still going to be on top and, and the criticism just bounces off themselves And it's a very internal conversation I, I, as you said they don't really allow other people to join in but when an asian goes up there and starts criticizing himself or h- herself as, as like a whole that actually reverberates around and has consequences for
2: every asian yeah i'd agree with that yeah and, and there, that's what there's we- a i've, I've been re- reading enough of these articles where i've i think i figured out the algebra of 18 million rising et, cetera, <laughs> et al right the algebra begins with uh white equals or east asian equals white so they'll they'll write some stuff about how east asians are complicit with white supremacy or whatever right and then they'll say that white is equal to patriarchy and uh, that 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 the patriarchy is like an emanation from white supremacy and then they'll say that patriarchy is basically white minus female, right? It's like white minus female. And then it's like, okay, if patriarchy then equals because white and Asian are equal is white pa- patriarchy equals East Asian minus female. So basically patriarchy equals Asian men. It's if you if you take that really stupid line of algebra that I just put you like just taking like these stupid equivalencies and just like subbing them in and out until you get from white you know, to Asian equals patriarchy. That's basically how they write all their fucking articles about this stuff. Like, there's it's no like, it's like math
1: done by a kid who, instead of drinking milk, drank mercury as a
2: kid. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest, if someone actually put in the research and did a lot of like interviews and case studies and all this stuff to find out what the f- what what kind of patriarchy do Asian immigrants bring with them here? and they were honest about it and nuanced about it and they treated the subject with a lot of academic rigor or journalistic respect i would be interested in that i'm not a, i'm not saying that there's no such thing as asian patriarchy you know what i'm saying i'm just saying like the way they approach it is basically just like you said it's just taking like it's just taking all the sh- like you know all the everything that we see in like white society and then just creating a proxy for it and then pasting it on Asian guys so that they can have their little self-critical fun too. You know, and and because you know, if these like activists they start going out criticizing white people, they're going to get disinvited. They got to bring their own like especially at an
1: individual level in which the accusations would land on people they know as opposed to like some nebulous white systemic golem which everyone every white person in their circle would have some kind of plausibility plausible deniability about. And yeah, I agree about I agree about the patriarchy thing. Like my my, I definitely agree that it has to be talked about because it it exists. I think every a lot of immigrant kids will have grown up witnessing a lot of like family difficulties. That that's what happens when you immigrate. There's a lot of psychological wounds that happen for the parents for the kids uh, when when that happens. But my problem is it's never a really an in community discussion. It's not like a it never feels like a genuine conversation. Within like a huddle circle saying, hey, like, you know, let's let's work together to to, you know, improve ourselves. It always seems to be more of an outside looking in trying to justify certain actions that would otherwise be rather unadmirable but saying, hey, but you can't accuse me of of doing anything bad because, you know, evil Asian patriarchy.
2: I mean, on on the one hand, I think there is a I mean, there is a sense of, um, you know, I do wish that more. Asians, including men, would talk about it because, like, left alone, if, like, people don't want to talk about it, then the only people who are really going to talk about it are the ones that have been really victimized by it. You know, and they're not going to be objective about it. They're going to be, you know what I'm saying? So so I think that there is, I will admit, there probably is a certain amount of silence around this by people who did not directly suffer from it. And for the for those who are, though though, using it, as a way to further their own like little activist uh, careers or whatever, I mean they're not really helping. If there are people out there who know about it that, want to talk about it or whatever, um, you know, you just run the danger that if you if you write or say something, it's just going to be cherry picked as away from one of these like blog activists. You know, just, you're just going to get cherry picked, and they're going to co opt everything you're saying and mis- mis- misuse it. So
0: right, because the, yeah, because those people, you know, those people are using it as justification, like you're saying, Oxford uh ju- as justification for their running away from their asianness and i i would i wish there was a conversation i think that what we're saying here is really think talking about that issue and, and examining it and trying to figure out how to change it uh, from a position of like caring and and being i'm not running away from this i'm staying in this community and because i care about it i want to talk about some of the bad things that happen
1: man discussion got heavy again <laughs> <laughs> well, was, we, you know, we've got some lighter topics to discuss uh annoying baby names for asian kids should we take a crack yes, at yes i was about to go to that um <laughs> i just okay so this is this is like another problem in which like a lame thing is lame but an imitation of a lame thing is infinitely worse so yeah i mean i'm just looking at the top baby names and they're all they're all pretty terrible um but at least when a white person does it it's like like original lameness but then when an asian person does, like I never ever want to meet a Logan Kim or uh an Aiden Wong. It just I don't want to see them.
2: <laughs> I know Jackson
0: I Lee. know. Jackson I Lee. know
2: one Logan and I know one Aiden baby, oh, Kim, you know. And oh, they're yeah. Asian?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mark, you were talking about I mean potentially if you had kids, you would you were thinking of giving them Korean names?
0: Well, yeah, I mean I I sort of really wanted to go like you know my my um you know we i think my my middle name is lee and my fiance's last name is family name is lee so i really wanted to go with like a like just a full sort of korean name right um but i think well the the uh the the compromise we've come to is that if we use the lee last name we can use like an americanized or, or a western first name um, or if we use my family name, then we'd go with like a, uh, an Asian first name. Yeah. It's something that so a, we'd mix it. Something
1: that a lot of, I, I sometimes see come up in, in like the Asian online spaces is a lot of like East and I guess Southeast Asian people wondering why is it that we're so ready to give up our first names? and anglicized and get not even anglicized i wonder the same thing too just yeah, get English. yeah that's part of my whereas, motivation to be whereas like south you know. asians almost uniformly uh have south asian names which i always admired right. which i always admired yeah
0: right well and and part, partly for me like i i had my my uh, korean name asian name like taken away from me mm-hmm. through adoption right no but most koreans so, like, I was, have, I uh, have a christian first name yes they do but i'm just saying like for me i'm just saying that like i it was taken away from me And then like I, wa- I I wanted to sort of Make an affirmative choice To reclaim Some of that identity Through you know Through the name of my child But you know Yeah It, it does seem It is weird Like you're pointing out Oxford that Like the Southeast Asian Families tend not To anglicize uh, their South first Asian names. I think part of it Is that Those names Like They have Those
2: first names Have already sort of Entered English awareness For a while Because of colonialism So like mm. Everyone already knows Vikram and you know uh like That's those true. are like in a Raj. Th- those are known names i think right whereas like with chinese names they're 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 all over the place like you could basically use like any word to make a chinese name so some chinese of, names are like some of them all are hard the like
1: the x the names of the x uh, those just yeah. look scary.
2: <laughs> X is just like SA just you just yeah, yeah, I mean you learn but that like, but when you see yeah. it like I'm one yeah. of the few people uh, uh I don't really know anyone that has a Chinese like an American born Chinese person with a Chinese name. I think I'm one of the few and I would say that and my sister had one too but she changed it. She told me the reason she changed it to uh and she didn't legally change it but she changed it just cuz it was easier for people to call her out, you know, mm. like in the work environment. But me, I go around and I, I like people I know, they always get my name wrong because they don't, they can't believe that my name is like teen. And I don't give a fuck. They'll be like, <laughs> what, teen? I'm like, yeah, teen as in teenager. That's my name. <laughs> like, just, just, it's my name. You fucking deal with it. It's not my problem. You know, like, but yeah. I love that. See, I love that. Yeah, no, I think there is something to it. I mean that, it, you know, growing up with a China, like a non-unrecognized name, an ethnicized name, and it's not even properly ethnicized. You know, you kind of just yeah, you there, there is definitely a, like a buy-in price like you it's not that convenient. You you're going to always have to explain your your name to people. But fuck it, man. That's like that's all, you know, you get one name, so. Yeah, and my and my yeah.
1: my adopted name, Oxford. I mean, I, I chose it just cuz it's to make kind of fun at I saw this a lot <laughs> with Hong Kong uh kids with Hong Kong parents when I was growing up. They would give their kids like very hilariously old-fashioned names like alfred or winston yeah yeah, yeah, yeah." what's the most what's the most anglo name that i can think of it's like oxford yeah there was
0: a there was a funny meme i saw on uh, twitter today and um it was you know that like popular one where it's from the anime it's a still from an anime and some character with the with a butterfly and he has his hand out yeah i guess the format is that like um a person's head is one thing like the hand is another and then the butterfly is sort of like a like a a weird question but it was around i think it was around baby names and it was like white person half black child is that an aiden (laughs) or is that a jaden (laughs) so it was like making fun of the fact that like a lot of these um half black half white probably children are called something so you know so so anglicized so like yeah, you know, like a Jaden or a Lucas if you, or an Aiden. If or you want a like list
2: that. of of good waspy names, top top website, go to Warby Parker, the eyeglass uh, retailer. Yeah, <laughs> go to Warby Parker, shop men's, and those iFrames have the waspiest uh, names. you Oh, they you'll actually see. have they're, names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And oh, yeah. It,
1: it, they're real names, and they're kind of yeah.
2: like how IKEA furniture have names. They name their glasses. Yes, they name their glasses. <laughs> yeah, and it's always some sort of like waspy, literary, East Coast preppy kind of thing. Like, you know, whatever. Uh... Otherwise, you could go to one of some of those fancier furniture stores um, and look up names of couches. Uh, they also, yeah, they also name their couches in very creative, waspy ways. You can also find great list of uh, baby name ideas uh, there as here's, well. Here's here's
0: one from Warby Parker: Wilkie. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah, Wilkie. Good one.
0: Like Wendell
1: Wilkie, a failed presidential candidate.
2: Yes.
0: Percy. Benson.
2: It just keeps going. Yeah. So, WarbyParker.com, great, 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 great
0: resource for baby naming. Mommy, Daddy, how did, where did my name come from? Well, we were Warby browsing the Warby Parker website.
2: I had, the, I knew this one kid. Uh, his, uh, his name was. I don't know how exactly I got into a conversation with a guy in high school about why his name was Eric. <laughs> <laughs> but he, I don't know how we got to that discussion because that I really. I, that is a very, that's a very not interesting conversation. Hey Eric, where'd you get that name? Uh, but he said that his mother was super into. He's a white kid actually. His mother was super into that show Chips, and she okay. was in love with Eric Estrada. You know the uh, paunch. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and named him after Eric Estrada. So I was like, oh, you're named after a Mexican. And he was like, Eric Estrada's Mexican. <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: my God, he is so he is so dark. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was like hate to break it to you, buddy, but you're named after Mexican because your mom's into Mexican dudes.
0: <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, his pa- he's Puerto Rican.
2: Oh, Puerto Rican, sorry,
0: but yeah, he, he was. Um, his name is Henry Enrique Eric Estrada. Ah, he was born in East Harlem, Manhattan.
1: Actually, an interesting fact I learned from from some of my Indian friends recently is that it's customary for an indian woman to take her husband's first name as her middle name after they get married or something like that maybe i maybe i'm butchering that but it, it was something where where the woman ends up with with like uh with the man's first name somewhere in her name i thought that was interesting
0: yeah that yeah that is interesting how,
2: you know have you been to like iceland no all the kids there uh how does it work their last name is their father's name plus son or daughter after it so like you know, if it's like Joh- Johansson, it means that your father's name was Johan and you're Johan's son. Wait, so every and, like, ah. last names change with every generation? Yes, yeah. Whoa, that's, In Iceland. That's got to be
1: a nightmare for the census. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. And if it's... uh Generally, If your dad's yeah. name was Peter and you're a girl, then you're like whatever, whatever, Peter's daughter. Well,
1: what does, uh, Very literal. Uh, what's like the female version of of like the SON then? Daughter,
2: daughter, da- D-O-T-T-I-R. D da- O T T I R Yeah. So yeah. your name your da- name daughter. will be like, you know, something Elena Peter's daughter.
0: Oh really? Yeah, so they indicate the father or mother of the child and not the historic fam family lineage. Yeah. I kinda respect that. That's like super literal. <laughs> it's just very easy.
1: And that's actually also an effective control, I guess, because you can't start coming up with wacky names, I guess, because then it's gonna it's gonna just sound stupid. It has to like blend in well with like the ending. It's already
2: established, so you can't just make right, up rules right. as you go along. Italians have funny last names, too. I knew this guy, uh, last name Taverna, and I was like, what does what Taverna mean? He's like, tavern. <laughs> and I was
0: like, That's what Taverna means? He was like, my dad yeah. was an alcoholic. Like, yeah, my... Uh, yeah, it's like... Uh, no, nah, he's like, you wait, know, wait. my
2: family was in the tavern business, I guess, back in the day. <laughs> that, I guess. I was like, oh, okay. And I knew another guy named it wasn't. Rilly. It wasn't
0: where he just hung out all the time. Yeah, I knew another so guy like, named Might Rilly. as well name the guy where he lives, so... Yeah.
2: Uh, This other guy, Brilli, I was like, "What does Brilli mean?" He's like, "Barrel," and I was like, "Ah, (laughs) what is that for?" He's like, "I don't know. I think someone in my family made barrels." They have, great, they have great names. <laughs> I think
1: I once read that when they instituted last names in Mongolia, everybody wanted to be Khan, <laughs> so they couldn't. So they yeah, were like, all sure, right, all right yeah. settle down, settle down. It's like in Reservoir Dogs, I think, when they... Um, isn't there a part where they have a fight because everybody wants to be Mr.
2: Black when they're giving each other code names? Have you guys ever met an American or anybody with the last name Lincoln? Have you ever met a Lincoln? Uh, no. No, I feel like
1: there must be an athlete, maybe for some reason. I, I've never there's,
2: met anyone. I, there might be a, a first name, name Lincoln, but I, there's no like Lincolns, right? That's a very uncommon name. Or, or a Mozart. Know. Have you ever
0: met a Mozart? Well, also the funny thing going back to the Iceland names is that they actually have an app now because there's so few Icelanders that they need. If you like, if you're if you meet a girl in a bar and you're like, okay, we're gonna go back to your place, or whatever, you have to check on this app that you're not like second oh, that, that,
2: you're not Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: I bet if you use Tinder in Iceland, you could probably go through everybody in maybe a couple
2: of months. Like, yeah. God, God, damn it! I'm I'm out of and then, and then your and then your uh, family reunion is very awkward. You're like, oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what confuses the fuck out of me is white people with the last name Lee and Han. Yes, that yes. really confuses me.
0: Yeah, I want, Yeah, I always wonder like that. At that actress, Adam Lee. I think there, there's an Adam Lee. There's a Jason Lee. Um. Or Jason Lee, sorry, yeah. Jason Lee. Although
2: Fort Lee is full of Koreans, it is not a Korean Lee. Oh yes, it is. It is now. <laughs> re- it is now. They
0: <laughs> retroactively Koreanized them. But uh but Jason Lee, I was like, I always that, that actor's actor's name, I was like, oh, he's he's like Asian. And then I have to like remind myself. But see, there's an like actor, Jason
1: Scott Lee, who played Bruce yeah, Lee. Yes, so and he is definitely Asian and or half Asian. Mowgli. He, yeah.
0: He played Bruce Lee.
1: Speaking of Mowgli, you yeah. remember that remember that movie, The Jungle Book? The 90s one? Yes. That movie was fucking scary. Wait, what do you mean 90s one? What 90s? You mean the live-action there, yeah, one? there's a live-action Disney Jungle Book. Yeah, if, with Jason Scott and, Lee, and, right? And for some reason, Mowgli was Chinese.
2: <laughs> oh, that, I remember. Okay, I never yeah, saw that movie. No, that, no, that movie's really okay. good,
1: but it has some of the most brutal death scenes. Really? Um, there's one where a guy sinks in quicksand. That's nightmare-inducing. There's oh, one geez. in which yeah, a yeah. guy just gets his face ripped off by a tiger... And the worst one is this guy, he gets trapped in this elaborate, some kind of death trap in which, like, all the salt or sand comes out from the walls. Meanwhile, uh, uh, the roof is closing in on him from the top. So he just gets, I guess, suffocated in, in, like, sand and, and just slowly runs out of air there. and it's horrible go on youtube actually it's got a lot of views because i bet all these 90s kids grew up watching that movie they're just scared straight by it and then like decade later they go on youtube like oh my god it's like like i'm getting triggered again <laughs> all right all right nice, yeah Good place to wrap up nice chit chat yeah absolutely always Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. That was the Escape from Plan A podcast for this week. We hope you enjoyed listening to us. Uh, If you want to read our articles, please go to planamag.com. And our podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. And, yeah, until next week, we'll see you then. Bye.